This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by Paraswap. You'll hear more about them later on in this episode. All right, all right, all right, all right. What is up, everyone? I am Charlie Shrem, and you are listening and watching another epic episode of Untold Stories, where twice a week together, we get to dive deep with some of crypto's most influential leaders, brightest crowns on the box, those who I meet along the way, who we've become, we become friends, we get to, to do some crazy things together. And as long as you don't fight the universe of life and, you know, kind of how everything works, you just go with the flow. We've had, we've talked about the flow state so many times on the show, but it's so important to me. Um, and I just want to give a, a thank you to you guys before I introduce the guest. Um, first of all, thank you those who are leaving us amazing reviews. I really appreciate it. When you leave a review, I end up, if it's, if it's, if it's like appropriate, I read it on the, on the episode, but I want to give a shout out to some countries that have kept us in the top 100 charts this week, Estonia, Chile, Argentina, India, you guys, Poland, the Philippines, Egypt, uh, the UK, we're all over Europe, all over Italy, South Africa, uh, Israel, you guys, all. I'm in the top 50 in all these places. It's been so much fun talking to all you guys, Ireland, Sweden, the Netherlands, um, you know, just let all your friends know about the show so we can just be in the top one of every country in the world because Untold Stories is the best. But um, without further ado, I want to introduce someone who's become a close friend of mine. We're co-workers now working on this super cool. I never would be able to. My dream job has been is has always been to be like an entrepreneur in residence and be a VC. I always felt that was something that you would attain once you've had enough failures and maybe one or two successes. You can you can get to that to that coveted place. And to hear talk about like both of our failures is my good friend, Chris Pizzo. Chris, thanks for coming on Untold Stories today. Oh, Charlie, thanks for having me, man. Uh, I was just telling you before, you know, I'm super humbled to be part of this. I think the world of you, um, and it's funny, um, there's no direct path to get here. Uh, my story is no different than that. And I think that's what's really interesting about investors, but um, not just investors, because without the entrepreneurs pushing the limit, of what can be done or really what can't be done, um, you know, we wouldn't have a job. Um, so I, before we get going, I really want to commend those trying out there um, as they're really putting them their, their ideas forward and their families are supporting them and they're all on that ship together. And I think Web3 is a tremendous way to really accelerate that community movement and generate those, uh, that value, redistribute that value creation back to these builders um, where it should be. Um, so with that, um, really, really uh, happy to be here and excited to talk about some things. There's a, there's an elephant in the room that I have to ask you about, but before I do, I want to let everyone know what you're up to. You are just announcing uh, a new fund that you're the general partner, Druid Ventures. I'm excited to be a part of it myself, uh, working with the team, the investment team, and go and 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 you know helping put deals together and meeting so many of these cool entrepreneurs and 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 companies. Down here in the Tampa Bay region, it's a it's a boutique investment firm uh, doing Web three, Bitcoin, crypto, all sorts of things. You have a background working with companies uh, at the Embark Collective, Jeff Vinick's outfit over there. You you that's where you met some good friends of mine, Gabe and Rosa. And then previously, you were a vice president at SCP and Co, which is one of the sponsors of or the sponsor of Druid Ventures. And what's cool is that. You've put together like an epic fund, like an epic. I don't even know. That should be the name of a fund, like an epic fund of sports players and and NASCAR drivers and crypto folks and Bitcoin OGs. And like, 
when I was, we had our event last week, I felt like there were, uh, it was like an old OG Bitcoin event. Everyone was there kind of being themselves. But before we get into like so many different topics, can't believe it. Tom Brady. Like, I can't believe it. No, I'm like in the bathroom yesterday at, at a tiki bar and some guy walks in. He's like, Tom Brady's coming back. And I'm like, no way. No way. I didn't yeah, believe it. It's like, you don't believe me. And I'm like, I got to pee first. No, hundred percent. It's funny. So, um, you know, one of our legal counsel actually is really good, uh, close friends with a whole bunch of Buccaneers. And there's been some talks in, in the weeds, so to speak. And, you know, nothing obviously materializes till it's done. Um, but when I heard about it, you know, you think it's gossip. And then when it finally happens, it's like, oh my God, Tom Brady, you know, and then there's, this, then there's the statistics, basically every other year he wins the Super Bowl, And so by him not winning last year, now he's geared up to win this year. And so look, the whole community, uh, you know, couldn't be more excited about it, I think. And kind of going to your point or going to your point about, you know, being based here in Tampa Bay, um, we've been vastly underserved and underinvested in for a really long time. Uh, Florida typically, and, you know, as a whole, but Tampa Bay, especially right. Little brother to Miami. Um, Always living in the shadow. Yeah. We, yeah, we, we live in the shadow, um, a big shadow, but that's totally changing. And, you know, I was listening to, uh, uh, another partner of ours in your podcast, Scott Melker. Uh, hey, Scott, appreciate uh, you joining. Um, but, you know, you guys are talking about, of course, COVID's terrible, COVID's terrible, but we couldn't agree more that it's totally decentralized entrepreneurs, um, which really, you know, fits the ethos of crypto. Um, but they're all relocating into really kind of tax and tax advantageous places, places that are beautiful to live. Um, check both boxes for Tampa Bay, right? And you see all the talent moving here. And there's just like a really palpable energy um, that, you know, a druid we'd like to take advantage of, um, you know, time is your friend here. Timing is everything. Uh, you mentioned Gavin Rosa at Blockspace is doing some incredible stuff there, both in the managed node infrastructure, um, but also on their kind of productized um, platform for companies to plug and play with different blockchains um, that fit their needs. Right. Um, so they, they've been real trailblazers. They've been doing uh, Bitcoin meetups since 2012. And then a good friend of mine, Michael O'Rourke, uh, who I believe you've also interviewed at Pocket Network. Um, shout out to those folks too. They've been doing unbelievable things, um, finding a real pain point, um, you know, with Infura plugging into AWS. So it's really centralized and you know, they hit about a billion and a half market cap come down since they've uh, gotten on a couple exchanges. But at the end of the day, they're stronger than ever. Um, you know, the middleware components, kind of that chain agnostic piece is so exciting to us and the infrastructure plays, right? The picks and shovels here. And we can get into details and things like that, but you know, thinking about investment theses and, and being able to bounce it off our cap table, um, which you've alluded to is, is really, is really yeah. the best part of this to me, right? Because it's emblematic of Web3. We wanted to democratize access to a venture vehicle that's typically been prohibited because of this huge moat put up by insiders, you know, the rich get richer. Um, so by bringing people like you on, Scott Melker, uh, Steve Ehrlich, the CEO of Voyager Digital, who's been incredible, um, you know, and they also have a fund that, that's bigger than ours that we that we like to work with. Um, but a couple of football players, uh, I guess before that, I can mention uh, we got a bunch of play to earn proof of play folks, so uh, tokenomics cool. people um, and all through the tech stack. But on top of the community members that can really help, um, you know, educate the masses, so to speak, which is a huge, huge pain point here. But NFL, NBA, a couple of NASCAR guys. Um, part owners of Milwaukee Bucks, um, and then a whole bunch of actually individuals in VC private equity that are looking for exposure that want to learn more um, and are genuinely curious. 
And I think that's what's really exciting about it because this asset class, um, while a bunch of people can say, oh, it's all scammers and everything, that, that's too easy, right? But when you see where this talent is going, you know, we're taking, by we, I mean the whole Web3 kind of industry push here, we're, 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 we're poaching talent from Wall Street. We're poaching talent from uh, different hedge funds. We, you know, I'm talking to one of our investors. I mentioned the part owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, you know, the son is Zach Dynan, who's an incredible guy. He was just, he's a Harvard Business School now, Harvard undergrad, incredibly smart. Uh, came in second runner up for his blockchain president stuff. But um, what's happening is all these students are, are flowing into these early stage tech companies or these VCs because they know that, that, that this is the future and where the alpha is generated next 10 years, it's here, man. That is so true. It's like um, they just want to they want to go out there and it's like slim pickings. You can almost go out and it's it's harder to hire people now. It's I, every every person we talk to. Oh, we're hiring. Yeah, you and everyone else. It's like you got to go now when they're in high school or college and try to get contracts with somebody's computer scientists and stuff. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. So it's funny, right, because it's part of my diligence process and talking to people. And I do want to get into that a little bit, but it's really um, how are things changing, right? Like, how do you plan on uh, capturing and retaining talent in this ever-increasing competitive market? And that, that's a really hard question in and of itself. And, and it's very telling of the team, the way they think about things. Um, but there's no right answer there necessarily. Um, but community acquisition as well is a huge part. But I mean, obviously technology is super important too, where it, the way it all fits and how you see things differently, the scalable components. Um, the different integration factors, but really to me, it's about the people. I mean, we can talk about technology all day, right? But it's really yeah. about you know what I just realized is such a watershed moment that I think crypto culture did for just the wider startup culture community, or even forget startup culture, just like the whole Western uh, idea of working for a company that you don't have to like. Like it used to be, you can work for a company and just not like your company, but still like the organization or like the people that you work with, but it's like, you don't like the company itself. You don't agree with what they're doing. You don't use their products or you think it's shit or something like that. Now, if you work for a company, you are almost like expected to be a super fan, a super follower, wear the company's t-shirt swag. Yeah. Like what nineties company gave away swag? Like imagine the movie office space. He hated the company. (laughs) Yeah. Staplers. It's like, but you have, it's, it's interesting how that completely, so now these, these companies, when they go to job fairs, they're like, it's not just a glass door became such a big thing. Or um, what's that other job, um, that job site that you can read into to how, what it's like working for that company or whatever. We've completely, we've completely, completely changed that. Um, do you think the, the Biden executive order that, that came through last week was a huge, was anyone waiting for that? Were there institutions they were on the sidelines that were kind of waiting for that, whatever that was. So it's a great question because what was delivered to me, it was, it, it was, it was good in a way that they're thinking about. They're letting us know that they're thinking about it. Um, you know, regulation needs to come in some capacity here, right? There's a lot of institutions on the side, but at the end of the day, to me, what I'm thinking here is the government just wants their peace, and they want to make sure that they're doing right by the people. Um, agree or disagree here. They're going to take their time. I think you said it best yourself. They're not stupid. They're very smart and they want to be methodical and prudent about it. But at the same time with that, there's a double-edged sword where they can stifle innovation. 
Um, and then these innovators, this talent goes to other countries to work on these protocols, these projects, you name it. Um, but I'm hopeful it's sooner than later. Um, and you can't apply, you know, regulations, um, regulations and rules from technology that happened, you know, 70 years ago, 60 years ago, 50 years, even 10, 15 years ago now in this ever, you know, accelerating environment. I mean, you open something up and you see all this new technology that comes out, it's impossible to keep up. Again, back to the cap table, that's why this collective brain trust is, it, to me, you need that community to rate basically rising tides, right? You need to have those different people that see things differently to be able to get to a good investment or be able to help these companies. Um, and I know that I went around the question here, but yes, um, I, think, I think people are waiting for regulation. People are very nervous about the accounting practices here, you know, what happens in the NFT transfers and 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 that's why we oh we're, yeah we're airdrops and staking and yeah. mining. There's so many like different. I just want like clarity, you know. We all do, we all do. But at the end of the day, I mean, there. I think the look back period will be fine if you have good intentions um, and you're. I don't want to say following a book because there's not necessarily a book to follow, but you have good business hygiene and track your stuff and and aren't trying to scam people, right? If 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 you can, in good conscience in good conscience do uh some kyc and if the government asks like you know we're yeah. fine with it. but if you can't like the scammers won't do that that's an interesting thing you said business hygiene it's i want to get into that topic a little bit you uh i've been learning so much going through uh, uh the due diligence of a lot of these these companies and these projects with you because there you you get these these companies that are already potentially making money with a hundred million dollars in tvl or you know, value locked in their DeFi project. And it's like, it's a brilliant solution and idea, but it's like the company itself isn't really investable or there's like, there's no business hygiene, if you will. You know, going back from the, of the 90s era LLCs to the DAOs of today, at the end of the day, when you have a, a, an organization of people that are doing business together, no, whatever way you want to skin a cat, it's a, it's an organization of business. Like, do you think there are some things like that just kind of like make your head like, oh, because the, the people listening to this show are running these companies, these businesses, and they'll go and they'll meet a VC and then they'll, but they'll never get feedback as to why they didn't pass the, uh, the due diligence or whatever. Working with you, I'm learning so much on the other side. It's the same thing. I'm in the filmmaking world now and I get to interface with distributors and Netflix and Hulu and I'm learning actually what they're buying. So now I can go out and make another movie and know that it'll get distributed. But it's like, what give us the inside scoop or the untold stories that some things that people can do right now and just kind of clean themselves up. Because we're, you know, there's the now is the time that you guys are investing. These are the moments. It's not during the bull markets. It's during the bear markets. 100%, right? I mean, that's where the alpha is generated. And, you know, you could hate venture, you could hate private investors, you can, you can hate that stuff. But at the end of the day, I think we work in lockstep to continue fueling this, right? There's a mass exodus in bear markets um, with public capital, let's put it that way. But the but the private funds, you know, like hopefully Drew Adventures, um, you know, we have a tremendous pipeline of some really awesome projects. Um, I'm going to take a step back in the way like I kind of got here because it, it kind of shows how I think about things is, um, you know, being a health tech founder in 2012 when the Affordable Care Act came out, um, had this huge pilot scoped out and uh, if, if that were to work, we would have received some potentially received some good VC private equity money. Um, we got rug pulled from a distribution partner who was being acquired, um, and we had no idea. Um, I went over and worked for a family office for three and a half years, the sole associate. 
I did all the underwriting for the early stage deals. We did some fast casual restaurants and commercial real estate. Um, but to your point, what I like to do is talk to them, talk through them about the way we look at things, whether it's, you know, again, about team, what's the size of the opportunity with the total addressable market, um, use the product if it's available, um, talk to customers, look at traction, you know, ask the why now is super important. What, what, what do you see? You know, what do you see that's different? Um, the community's huge and we can get tokens in a bit later, but I wanted to take that and go work and, and help coach startups. And that's why I work for Jeff Phoenix's uh, group here in Bar Collective, because what too many times you see um, investors just either ghost people or uh, they drag their feet along and won't tell you what they need. Yeah. And that's just a crappy investor. Life's too short to work with people you don't like. So from my perspective, it's it's let's ask the tough questions. Um, let's get there. And if, if it's a no for us, Charlie, I mean, I'd like to be a, as quick of a no as possible because in the investment game, raising capital for an entrepreneur is it's the worst. It, it's the worst, right? Because it's <laughs> the total distraction from building a business. Um, and for us, like we want to help them get there. And, and where are the holes? Like too many investors try to, think at the same time, they, they ask these questions and it's like, all right, right off, totally uninvestable. The way I look at it is if we have, if we identify some holes and we can plug them with some of our cap table, our community resources here, like, let's go, you know, like, let's work together. Let's be open and transparent. Um, too many people try to lie or hide or just, just run away, quite frankly. Um, and so we want to be as open kimono as possible. Say, these are the things we look for. Um, here you are today to get to an investable level. Let's let's see these things. Let's work together. Um, but on the other side of the spectrum, you know, we're we're talking to some companies, you know, or some companies are out there, and I'm not throwing any on the bus, but they're looking for 10, 20, 30 million at 50 to 100 million dollar valuation and have no product, have yeah. no traction, have no community. And they think because we're in crypto that that's warranted. And you gotta you gotta look at it differently. You gotta think. And so this goes to a KKR thing, does the dogs eat the dog food, but really is the community enjoying what I'm building? Am I, do I have a, a solution here that fits a, that fits a problem? If, if, if they're building a solution that fits a personal problem for them and there's a market huge, that is awesome because we know that they live it. They live in this pain and they're figuring it out. Um, but again, different flavors, but it, it's, it's, the investor should always give feedback. Um, you know, time is a constraint here, but to me, when the time is spent together, you owe it to each other to talk. Yeah. You know, what, what do you like? What do you not like? It's it's so true. It's so true. It's um, I've seen like so much. So le it's not about talent. It's more about passion and grit. These people who wanna who wanna grit. get this done. These are yeah. It's it's especially it's like, uh, I love the entrepreneurs in this space, especially what the ones that come from some of the craziest places and have some crazy upbringings. We've had them all in the show, but, but um, you mentioned something I want to go back to. It's the, the typical VC model didn't include tokens and that, and kind of putting that aside for a second, the, the, the typical VC model was like your first, any, your first, like any cash flow or your first, like anything would be five years down the road. And that gave investors like the ability to relax and to allow for like R and D without breathing down the neck of the entrepreneurs that they need to make profit in the first year or two, even three. But now we're going to be living in a completely tokenized world. We all know it. We all see it's coming. There are those who want to like disregard it. You know, we're going to be 
the the way to to access public capital and have like a market cap, if you will, is going to be the future. Is that going to be a positive or a negative for investors or even for entrepreneurs who sometimes need a few years to be able, like some of the best companies in the world? Hell, Twitter is not even profitable yet. I don't even think it's been around for twenty years. No, uh, it's it's a great question and it's funny because the private markets are super frothy and we're seeing you know a lot of public turbulence and you know in terms of public equities. Also, the crypto markets, all the public crypto is going on. Um, but with private, all that frothiness in the private market, they have to put their money to work. Um, and typically in the venture model, they find, you know, not unlike this, you know, they find a great team. Maybe they've done it before. If they have, you know, shut up, take my money. Um, and there's a, there's a big herd approach, too. So if you have a good kind of flagship or blue chip investor coming in, the rest of the investors will just pour in no diligence. What happens is you get overinflated valuations. Yeah, and I noticed that. Valuations, right? I mean, we've seen it in the health tech markets too. We have a two hundred thirty million dollars digital health SPAC, um, you know, looking for a target. But the the issue was that we came into is that these companies doing ten million dollars in revenue are looking for a billion dollar valuation, um, and the growth's not really there even. But they have this funding and need to grow into it. And I, I, I encourage entrepreneurs that are listening here, don't take the highest cap, don't take the highest term sheet, the most valuable term sheet. Be, I'm not saying don't take it. Don't take it unless yeah. you do your homework and you believe that they're the right investor and these, this is the right amount of capital you need because you need to grow into that valuation. Um, on the token side of things gets really interesting because the market really sets that. I mean, looking past private sales, things like that. And I think that'll change over time where, the investors that are helping shore up the network, whether it's running nodes, whether it's participating, they're going to be the ones that are, are allowed in the round. Um, will they come in a vehicle like a venture group? I don't know. Um, it, I think a lot of them could be DAOs. I think venture in the future, there's no reason it couldn't be DAOs, right? Um, but with DAOs, you know, you also have to be very conscience, conscious, messing those words up there, um, about the governance protocols there. And how, you know, typically sometimes when it gets to a head, there could be five or so actors that's maybe, I don't want to say colluding, um, but you have that possibility that they could be pushing the boundaries that really is beneficial to themselves and not necessarily the community. Um, so we're, we're in a great place now. Um, the liquidity of these tokens, um, the way that they have utility, and if they don't have utility, then we're not investing in them. Um, really powers an ecosystem here and can almost turn, like thinking about pocket with developers, how it turns yeah. a sunk cost into actually uh, a profit rewarding mechanism, passive income over time. It's remarkable what could be changed. Um, so I think, I think the token economy um, is going to change a lot of things. I think a lot of hard assets now, um, looking at you know, houses and, and cars and all the stuff with title that can happen. Um, and the digital ownership of it for the, you know, obviously transferability, but the provenance to um, determine the origin, the, the creator, and in our world, you know, if you can actually, you know, that you can actually plug into a smart contract, here's some value that goes back to the artist, like, that's awesome. And, and what does that do to the future? How, how do these people eventually, maybe that gets them out of a hole that they've been in um, and can give them some real income to reinvest in founders and artists doing this stuff. I, I don't want to beat a dead horse with a, you know, we're like Silicon Valley here, but what, what really happened in Silicon Valley is a whole bunch of tech nerds made money and reinvested in tech nerds. And that's really what did it. It's like a very, very good point. So it's like multi-generational cycles almost of like constant over and over reinvesting in the same thing. And you see that in crypto, like the same Bitcoin entrepreneurs, and no one realizes that the founders of Ethereum are also the same early founders 
of Ethereum founded. Uh, um, you have you have um, Cardano. You have some of the earliest blockchains. Why am I blanking right now? It's crazy. There's so yeah, like there's a <laughs> there's a lot now. Yeah, there's like four different blockchains that came from the uh, that came from the early Ethereum founders that I'm like completely blanking on right now, and I'm gonna get killed later, but it doesn't uh -huh. matter. But you have like it's just over and over and over again the same type of people, and that's one of my favorite things is like kind of seeing them. But not everything, not everything should be a DAO, and I kind of want to know what you think should be a DAO because like. For example, you have a fund, not every, you know, very few people are, are, are involved in the decision-making process, while there could be tons of, and tons of different investors and partners. Same thing with, which, with making a film. You, you don't want to have everyone involved in the creative process that are the DAO holders, because you'll never make a good movie that way. You, there's a reason that the people involved in the, in the movie-making process have, have done it over and over and over again. You should see in some of those meetings. I don't even say anything. And it's like, Charlie, why are you so quiet? It's like, this is not my world yet. Maybe in the future it is, but you guys know what you're doing and I'll just help put the deals together. But it's, it's the same type of thing. Yeah, it, it really is. Right. And, and, uh, too many cooks in one kitchen. Um, you know, at the end of the day too, it's, it's the diligence process and the time frame here as well. I mean, you could have a whole bunch of really smart people talking about one opportunity for a year. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's always more diligence yeah. you can do. But at the end of the day, there, there's a velocity component here, and that's why, to us, we've really refined this uh, diligence process that you're talking about. Um, you know, what do we need to hit? Like, what what is what are clear cut nos and everything? And and when you and to go back to the question, what is appropriate for a DAO as a venture fund? I think that we're going to see some interesting models. I think there's going to be a lot of people that try it. Um, but to your point, though, too, again, too many cooks in one kitchen. You really need a couple. A, like a committee at the top or something just to push something through at the end of the day um, because it can just drag too long and it's not fair to to the entrepreneurs as well right you know they're they're in a time crunch too there's a capital arms race out here um, trying to raise money whether it's through tokens equity a combination thereof um, but but I, I do think that there will be a lot of interesting technologies integrated into DAOs and for DAOs to build upon I think it's in, in its infancy and we're looking at uh, investing in some companies that can help with that too. Sorry to interrupt your regular scheduled programming, but I wanted to tell you guys that if you're using PancakeSwap, Uniswap, DYDX, SushiSwap, you're doing it wrong. You need to be using PowerSwap because PowerSwap is a user interface, a decentralized smart contract platform that sits on top of all of these. And when you go to PowerSwap or untoldstories.link forward slash PowerSwap, because they're refunding your gas, if you go there, then you'll be able to, on top of Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain, and Polygon, look for the best prices for your tokens and swap and do everything in one predefined transaction on chain. Instead of having to do the approval to this token, to that token, to do all these different things, Paraswap does it all for you. It's decentralized. They just released their API version five that you can see everything. It's all open source. Very cool stuff. Untoldstories.link forward slash Paraswap. If you're using any of the other decentralized protocols, you're doing it wrong because you need to be using the routing, beautiful Paraswap routing system, and it's fully decentralized too. It's gorgeous. I'll talk to you guys soon. I know you're not like a, a macro economist or anything, but do you have any comments on the political or like macro global Hell, you know, headwinds that that are occurring, and how that could affect our crypto community, or 
the type of things that could really change that. I know just today they talked about raising raising the interest rates and that would that's going to slow things down. But I mean, a lot of, you know, when you have on NPR on the radio doing inflation 101 for people, it's like, what world are we living in right now? And is this something that's going to be a year or two? Are we looking at five years of this like uh, just volatile world? I mean, take me back to 2019, people keep saying. Yeah, no, I mean, at a high level, I'm not a macro economist. <laughs> but, but when you see 80% of the, the U.S. dollars in circulation printed in the past, you know, what, 24, 26 months, it's definitely, you know, raises eyebrows, 7.9% um, inflation rate. You know, we, we look over here, obviously, the war in Ukraine, what that does with the crude oil. Um, and it's not just over there, too. I mean, it was here, too, cutting off our own pipelines, things like that. And not that this is, you know, blue, red, anything in between. It's just talking high level. Um, but, but it's interesting what you see, what came out of the donations to Ukraine. Um, you see how a blockchain really serviced this. And there's been over 50 million donated. And you see where these use of funds are going. And they're really saving lives. And I think it's fascinating, right? I mean, you think about global funds. You see Venezuela. You see it's crazy. all these countries. Really, yeah, really. I mean, even the U.S. dollar now. I mean, 80% is, is just absolutely crazy. So. To me, you know, a sound money, um, self-sovereignty are pretty, pretty interesting aspects or pretty interesting, you know, technologies to look into. There's no reason that people shouldn't, you know, pick up, uh, you know, at least whatever it is, look up something on the internet, read some articles and say, hey, maybe I should just explore Bitcoin crypto a little bit more to see if it's appropriate. Yeah. If not, then that's fine. But it really does have all those macroeconomic um you know, basically wrapped around everything. And, and to me, it's bullish um, for long-term um, implications. But, you know, if we all had a glass ball, we'd all be, we wouldn't have to work. Bitcoin and crypto have been veering off in opposite directions, or especially over the last few years. You see crypto as an industry, Bitcoin just wants to be Bitcoin. And that's what I love about it just wants to be, like you said, sound money, censorship resistance. We've talked about this from a fund perspective, but do you think there'll be, and there are, there is industry around Bitcoin and there's amazing development and it's, it's been happening in a, in a, in a, in a really great way, but the, the kind of break shit world of DeFi and then fix it later, that's, that's crypto. Do you think there'll be like a relationship between Bitcoin and crypto going forward, do you think people are going to actually want some of those things that you can do with, with tokens on, on Bitcoin with people, or do you think it's going to further, further separate? So it's interesting. Um, you have, you have a pretty polarized uh, community there with the Bitcoin yeah. maximalists. And then you have basically everyone else, um, big Ethereum, big DeFi stuff. But at the end of the day, you look at what the strongest uh, protocol is. Um, you look at the proof of work that's done there. There's nothing stronger than the Bitcoin, um, the, the Bitcoin layer one, right? It's 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 remarkable, and I do think that we'll see a lot of interesting sidechain projects come up. You know, we've talked about Mint Layer being yeah. one. They're they're a fascinating group, um, changing some stuff that you know will actually help them long term, foundationally scale. Um, but it will be interesting. There's a lot of talk about energy consumption and sidechains help with that, but to me, this energy consumption debate is... is it's such a red herring. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous, right? Because at the end of the day, that's going to drive so much innovation into better, efficient energy. Um, it's, it's just nuts that that's, oh, you know, you're using the, the whole, basically, energy grid of, of 
friggin' London or something. It doesn't matter. It, it's going to get better. It, it will get, it, it's Moore's Law. It'll get smaller and better. I, I think that we're going to see some really interesting projects on Bitcoin. I think people will use it. I think that over time, you know, once we hit that last, I don't want to say last peak, but I don't think it's going to become super volatile. I think it'll flatten out and be a nice store of value and be able to peg to, you know, certain things and collateralize different assets through that network and get loans from it. And it's already happening. Um, but I, I, I do think that Bitcoin has a lot of potential still that people are on, that people are basically writing off and saying, nah, we got to go to uh, proof of stake. And obviously proof of stake has its own issues, right? Yeah. Um, with too many bad actors with too many coins or something can just screw the network up. Well, not only that, it's, uh, it's, you need some of those people always ask me for the most simplest, like way I describe permissionless and permission blockchains. If you need to own some of the, the blockchains coins in order to participate in that, that blockchains voting or protocol or issuance of new coins or do anything, then that is not a permissionless system with Bitcoin. You just need some energy and, and some hardware and software that there's so freely available anywhere in the world. And you can do it over tour. You can do it completely. You can mine completely anonymously if you want to, that is a permissionless system. And I don't know of any other, it's like, so to, no, no people need to read the Bitcoin white paper, need to go back and go to nakamotoinstitute.org and really, really understand, like read all of Satoshi's writings, really understand why Satoshi invented Bitcoin and look at a lot of the, the writings and the ramifications that he talked about what happened. This is a very, first of all, this is an experiment. It's a very, very long-term horizon experiment. Like he, him and Hal Finney talked about like 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 checkpoints in the network at the year 2035, 2150. We won't even be living in, in some of these checkpoints down the road. I mean, we're talking about hundreds of years because any money doesn't actually last more than a few hundred years anyways. So that is the experiment of Bitcoin. 500 years, something else will replace Bitcoin. There'll be enough time, but it's the same thing like, like what happens with the dollar an hour or whatever it is. It's just a, it's just a, a, a function of human evolution. But yeah, I mean, going back to that, got to spend a lot of time reading that, reading, reading all like the what's and the why's. And because a lot of this stuff is very, very, very short term. And so I'm going to ask you about some of like the biggest opportunities, but it's like going back to some of these developers in school, they're looking out there and they're like, shit, I want to build everything I can that the current world uses on old software. I want to rebuild using this blockchain technology that Satoshi invented. What can I do? What are some like crazy opportunities where there are middlemen just taking copious amounts of money that you think is going to be redone on blockchain rails? I, you see it in the insurance going through even like home equity lines of credit and mortgages and that whole industry is going to change. It's insane. Yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And it's, it's a funny question, right? Like how far do you zoom out? But to me, anything that's been done that is essentially an asset can be repurposed and, and put on a blockchain in some capacity. Anything. Um, should they all be? Not necessarily. Yeah. I think there's a lot of interesting layer too, right? Uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff with ZK rollups, um, stuff to kind of batch things and then put it back on the blockchain for one transaction. But we're, we're going to be getting there and it'll be easier. But I mean, anything to do with our personal lives that we've always done with kind of a, any type of database or any type of uh, financing mechanism. So money, um, information, um, any kind of ownership, um, 
you name it, man. I mean, identity. Yeah. Identity. I mean, even like going through, yeah, going through airports. I mean, going through, uh, going any type of school environment, it's, it's what could be done and how do you make it in a way that's easily digestible for people? I mean, it's going to be really exciting and, and there's going to be so many different ways to get people excited about education too. Um, from kind of putting things on the blockchain and, and transferring value to them to basically like Duolingo with yeah. real money or something. I mean, it's it's just it's unfathomable. And and like you said, you know, 500 years, yeah, that that's some stuff there. But we're accelerating like crazy right now. Again, COVID really accelerated this, but but the rest of this technology, it's just feeding off each other in such a good way. Who knows how the earth, who knows how the world's going to operate in 10 years? Like self-driving cars. How does that work on a blockchain? How does that work with other kind of, you know, talking to other cars and being able to, I don't know, maybe borrow energy credits or something when you're low on gas? It's just crazy to me. And that's why I like partnering up with people like these really bright entrepreneurs that see things differently, um, that challenge the status quo. And and again, I, I let off with this, but without them, like, you know, the venture folks wouldn't even be in this position. But there's a... I want to say one thing before we kind of get to the next point. It's you see all these venture funds that typically haven't even had um, any type of real capital allocated. I mean, obviously, the Andreessen's of the world, they've been pouring money and Katie Hahn left to start her own thing. Um, but going down even Bain, right? Bain Capital Ventures, yeah. just 560 million in crypto all the way down to liquid tokens. I mean, Hack VC raised 200, another 500 is coming on. They're seeing things here. Um, and it's not just short term money grab. Sure, you can make a lot of money. But what's to come and, and what if this does work, it's it's going to open doors and it's going to change people's lives and and honestly just make the world more global. Uh, I, maybe that's not the right word. I don't want to say like flat, but to make it more um, easily accessible. Yeah, easily accessible and connected. I really miss the connected days of like five or six years ago. I felt like we were going more globalized. But and you brought up like the airport problem. Oh man, just traveling during COVID across a border is how I felt like I I just like a wad of paperwork between the vaccination and the recent tests. Like when push comes, first of all, it's a huge racket with the testing and then and having to show your test just to like the, the airline attendant who's now become like an enforcement official. It's just, it's, it's really insane that, but it, the, the problem is uh, there's never been a huge jump to like decentralize all that data is because all that data, first of all, is created in real time. There's uh, a lot of forgery and counterfeiting that could happen, but also it's like, we just don't want to give all that stuff up to like some massive centralized database. But in the airport thing, you know, a simple act of like traveling from one country to another with a layover in another country, I had to show my paperwork to like six different people, go through security three or four times, multiple border controls. I mean, constant. If somehow there was a way to like take that and and you're gonna see different companies start to work with the 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 state driver's license issuing as an NFT, because then you can unlock certain things and prevent forgery, et cetera. It's just I think you're gonna see definitely it go down that road. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. It'll be interesting to see kind of these uh large conglomerates working to incorporate this because it's it's not in their dna to decentralize it's in their yeah. literally like almost a mandate to centralize things it could be distributed in some capacities but really at the end they, they want to own it um and make no mistake you know i mean i'm looking at the facebook rebrand of meta and we can all talk about ready player one and yada 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 but does anybody really want to be in the, in the zuckerverse right it's 
it's a really interesting thing because they have all the tools, they have the community to some extent. Um, but I'd be weary for Apple. I mean, Apple's in everybody's pockets on everyone's wrists. They're all connected stuff. Don't be surprised if they're a dark horse here. I mean, I, I don't even. Yeah, they're quiet. Usually the they're quiet, quiet ones are the ones you got to watch out for. That's right. Yeah, they're not changing their name to Meta, Meta Apple. Oh, my um, God. Yeah, right. But but you got to believe that they're going at it and the future of business. I mean, Microsoft pouring in here and it's it's it'll be really interesting to see what happens um, in metaverse stuff. I mean, some of us are already living in it through work with Zoom. It's crappy. It's primitive. It's, you know, but if you were to just throw a meta on something uh, as a startup and you think I'm, cre- I'm sitting in my meta seat with my meta helmet and you think you're worth, you know, $100 billion now and don't have anything like you got to think again. Investors are getting smarter. Um, people are getting smarter. Scammers are also getting smarter, but luckily we have the community to sift through that together. Are there any, are there any, you know, are there any uh, uh, classes in university that, or even high school, right? Forget university, high school that you think that they should be teaching that they're not? Well, uh, anything with kind of self-sovereignty and personal personal finance, you name it, man. Um, It's humility training. Yeah, no, it's it's an interesting question. So my son's two, um, a daughter that's nine months. My son's two, though, and is just fascinated. And every other kid just here, fascinated with computers, how things work. I certainly was. Um, by the time I got a Game Boy, I was like the first thing that I could get my hands on. But these kids are going to be moving at a pace so much faster than we were with technology. They're going to be coding so much faster. I mean, computer science classes could be introduced earlier. And it, it's a double-edged sword again, right? Because you want kids to play outside. You want them to become really social creatures, but they love living online. Um, you know, you look at how much money spent on B-Bucks with Fortnite and, and how much money's going there. So look, what's going to be taught online is that everything is going to be taking place, probably teaching in some type of metaverse thing. But still though, you got to zoom out. You got to play outside. Um, there's always a healthy balance as physical health comes first. And I want everybody to know that too, right? It's if you don't have your physical health and, and Naval is a good preacher of this, then you're worried about, you're only worried about your physical health. You have your physical health and you can worry about 10,000 other things. But so yeah, to your, to your question, what do I, what do I want them to teach? Anything with self-sovereignty, personal finance, um, computer science at a younger age um, and take care of yourself <laughs> and how to cook. Well, speaking of like all in real life or not like a non uh, away from keyboard experiences, as they say, like when you're not at your keyboard, uh, someone wonderfully explained this to me. He's a, I forget what his official title, a logistician for, uh, for, for some of these, for, for like world health organizations and some, some red cross type of organizations and everything and helping across borders and and I always like to talk to him and get kind of his insight in the rest of the world as I, we're down here in Florida and he's like you know you 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 business people don't really get that business physics the earth it's all energy right it's all we're all using the same energy so he beautifully claimed he's like for the first time ever in the past few years earth has felt competition with the metaverse or the internet so now it's like you had no choice but to go play outside. Earth was your only choice, this beautiful place. But we took it for granted because it was always going to be here. It's our only choice. But now, because we have somewhere else we can go to that competes with our time, Ready Player One was like a huge moment for people to think, is that what the world is going to look like in the future? Now cities are, are, are buying up 
you know, spaces to create, you know, beautiful. We've never seen hundred million dollar plus city beautification projects before. It's just cities are now competing with this like green space. Yeah, we saw it like in the past decade or two, but it's really different now. Earth is competing for us. Yeah. No, look, it's really shined a light on that, too. That's like, okay, we we talk about some energy consumption here. There's a lot of stuff going on with ESG, um, global warming, you know, all this can be really put on a blockchain, too, and and be traceable and everything like that to create a better outcome. Um, That said, though, it's 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 always going to be two sides here. So to me, looking at corporations getting into ESG, a lot of it's for show, right? They have to, they have to have a stamp. They're going to get in the metaverse, but they're really buying it for ad space. Um, you know, they're not going to change the way they deliver it changes. But at the end of the day, they still just want their profit. They want to beat earnings each quarter. That's all they care about um, living quarterly. Um, but really, the, the younger population, I'm going to go back to this, the smartest minds, the ones that are living in this right now, see things differently and understand we got one earth. All right, could have been screwed up before, but let, let's fix this. And let's also figure out this technology that's going to connect us more and distribute value to the people building it, using it, and maintaining it. It's like, how crazy is that, right? What a, what a crazy concept. <laughs> and it, it's really taken us this long, but um, I, I couldn't be more excited about the future. Um, you know, really the smartest people I know are working in the space. Um, you have some of the dumbest people too, um, don't get that yeah. wrong, that are in the right place, right time coming in for a money grab. But anybody that spent time in the market, you're going to get wrecked a couple of times. Um, you know, since 2015, I bought some Bitcoin, some Ethereum. You never buy enough. They always sell too early. But you got to get in, you got to get in love with the technology and see where 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 it can really go. And then you just time in the market beats timing the market. And at the end of the day, we're still early. Um, we're still very early, and there's going to be a lot a lot of new innovations. And um, I think we're in a great position. And Charlie, I couldn't be more pleased that you're part of Druid. Um, you know, you're talking about uh, you learning from us. Well, we've learned a ton from you. Um, again, your relationships, your knowledge are, are fantastic. Um, and anybody else that's looking to get in touch with Druid real quick, it's, you know, our checks range from 50,000 at Launchpad deal up to a little over a million um, per deal. I'm looking in picks and shovels here, um, any kind of infrastructure plays to make this Web3 stuff better for developers, one, and two, obviously with better developer, better tools for developers comes a better user experience um, for the masses um, to take part in this new ecosystem, um, new economy, digital economy. So if, if you're, if you fit that bill, reach out to us. Happy to Where, uh, where does Druid come from? Yeah. So it's funny. Uh, Michael O'Rourke is the CEO of Pocket Network and, you know, we were found this idea together. He's an advisor. I, he's hundred percent on Pocket. But uh, his character in World of Warcraft was uh, Druid, and he realized that he could spend all his time, and eventually uh, he, he did sell his account for, for a small amount, um, but that was like the real time that he figured out that there's something here with digital assets that people want to buy. And Druid's also kind of a shapeshifter, one with nature, um, and I think it makes sense for, for where we are now um, as a firm to say like, hey, we're with you, we feel everything. Um, and we yeah, when I was when I was over in Scotland, the tour guide was talking about the druids, and I'm like, "Wait, what does that mean?" And he explained that it like, yeah, in like yeah. Celt- Celtic times or Celtic or it's Celtic, right? Uh, in Gaelic, sorry, they um, the druids were kind of like the el- the the scholastic elders that kind of uh helped steer 
early humanity pre-religion as like a, a, a people's organization, like how religion kind of organized people over the course of time. The Druids were kind of like those people, but they weren't like voted on or uh, come from any breed or whatever. It just, if you were a certain type of person. And so that's why I feel like we all are. We're all like the Druids yeah. of the crypto space of Bitcoin and crypto. No, I, I couldn't agree more. It's funny. Like each day I learned something more about how Druid works. Yeah, that's what I thought you got it from, honestly. That's so no, funny. No, it's funny. We knew that was a piece, but really it was the, the simple fact that it was Michael's uh, World of Warcraft character. That's awesome. <laughs> we need to, I need to get a t-shirt, by the way. I need to get a, the logo is so yeah, cool. We'll, we'll get more swag. Um, we'll be at Bitcoin um, Miami 2022. Um, so if anybody sees me, please feel free to come up. Let's talk. Um, at the end of the day, again, it's all about you guys um, and Charlie. Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. Of course, my email is, we'll have your email in the show notes, but my email is on untoldstories.com. And then any message I could, I'll forward over to Chris or really any guests you ever, ever see. The guests always love getting, you know, meeting some of their fans or super fans. Uh, please go and listen to the, my previous episodes. Thank you this wonderful Monday afternoon, Chris. I'm excited. Well, I'll see you probably in a week or two, but thanks for coming on Untold Stories. And I look forward to, to seeing you soon. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me.